Hello and welcome back to Multimodal. This is Baxter Future. Today we're going to cover a few different topics. So the first topic I'm going to be talking about is what I got wrong on the last podcast. <laughs> if you missed it, I was talking about OpenAI shutting down the Slack group. So today I'm going to be, uh, you know, covering some of the bases that I missed. I'll be talking about a new Discord group which was created as well. Um, we'll be talking about some GPT-3 specific kind of stuff. Not too inside baseball, but a little bit, little bit specific. And I will be talking about latent visions, which is this cool multimodal AI model that is just exploding for me on my Twitter. And, you know, I love this stuff. I love playing around with multimodal models and, and just dabbling. And so I'll be talking about that briefly as well. And we might talk about it in more detail next week. All right. So what I got wrong on the last podcast. So if you missed it, the last podcast, I was discussing in detail why I didn't like OpenAI's decision to shut down the GPT-3 specific Slack group. Um, I'm not going to be reiterating it entirely. I just, the, the main point I had is I just, I felt there was a lot of opportunity there and the community was nascent. And also I think it is a preference thing. I just, I prefer live chat as a communication method. I think it makes it, makes it feel more intimate and feel more like a community as compared to an online forum, which I feel has more distance and less intimacy. But again, this is not a, this is not me. I'm not going to be reiterating that uh, podcast. I encourage you to listen to it if you missed it, but I will be sharing some good, you know, counter arguments, different uh, feedback I got from people. And like I said, a lot of the podcasts and the newsletter, these are raw ideas, right? Like I, I, I put out raw ideas. I try to be careful, but once you put them out there, you know, that is also the beginning of a learning process, right? And then I can integrate it and come up with a better perspective, right? More informed, right? Some things I get right, some things I miss. So in fairness to other people, I wanted to share some feedback I got. And, and before I even get there, I wanted to make a correction. So in the last podcast, I said OpenAI didn't ask anyone before shutting down the Slack group. This was wrong. They had asked a few people, just not the community at large. And, you know, they probably put thought into whether to ask the whole community or not. Um, and I can, you know, see reasons why it might not be a good idea to ask the community at large, although it might have been a nice thing to do. Um, and now just sharing some counter arguments I got. These, this is, you know, from people who prefer the forum and think the decision to shut down the Slack group was a good idea. The first point they said was an online forum brings even more transparency than a Slack group, which is semi, which is semi-public anyway. So let me just explain that. So transparency is important, right? Like if you're dealing with AI language models that are huge scale that we know are capable of uh, doing, you know, different things, which, which for example, like maybe creating misinformation that are bad, um, maybe trans like transparency is a good thing, right? And at least the public can be involved or know the ins and outs. There's a broader group of people. Maybe you can leverage the community to help you navigate tough ethical decisions, get their feedback, right? And so the first counter argument was an online forum brings even more transparency than a Slack group, right? Um, 
That's assuming the online forum one day is open to the internet. From my understanding right now, it's still only limited to people who have access to GPT-3. But my assumption is that one day it will be completely open to the public. In which case, yes, I think transparency is generally a good thing. And yes, the online forum is a better format for transparency than something like Slack, right? And then Slack is semi-public anyways in the sense that... um, you know, different people can join if they have access and maybe view previous history. Although messages were getting deleted every 30 days on the GPT-3 Slack group because OpenAI wasn't paying. The second argument was many conversations are happening in different time zones. Forums will handle this situation better. I agree. I agree. They, they are happening in different time zones. But at the same time, I would add like a, a Slack group at least... Uh, you can get immediate help, right, from other people if you need it, right? And so, anyways, I, I still agree on the whole with the point that, yeah, forums handle that better. Um, the third counter-argument was Slack search is not as good, and people, especially new people, were not using it enough, and sending messages over the wire, like on different, you know, different channels in the Slack group with very little thought and consideration, And so, yeah, I would agree Slack search is bad. Um, And also, I don't think people are in the habit of using it. Uh, I I don't know why that is culturally for the Slack product, but people just don't use that search as much. Um, I don't know if search on a forum is any better. You know, in my experience, forum software does not have good search. I could be wrong about discourse, but maybe habitually people might be more in the habit of, of using the search. I would say probably more so than Slack. However, I think people are more in the habit of just looking at stickied threads uh, within form software. And so maybe through a combination of stickied threads and uh, search uh, and also just, you know, in a forum, you can easily link to past posts. It might address this hole and this gap that the Slack community doesn't have of sort of being able to recycle the best resources Uh, to onboard people faster but the search is still not that good and maybe what what really needs to be said is if google indexes the OpenAI community forums one day then the search will be good right because people will just find uh the the relevant posts on google in the forum right uh one interesting thing i learned shout out to bram he he told me you can still dm in discourse which is something I didn't know. So that, you know, there is some networking possibilities through the forums that you can still reach out to people individually. Now that I think about it, I guess all forum software tends to have a private message feature. Um, but it's still nice of him to point that out that yes, Slack has DMing, but so does the forum software as well. And I, I wanted to clarify, I guess one mistake I made is that I've just been maybe too harsh in judging the forums too early. Uh, I criticized shutting down the Slack group because it was nascent and had potential in in that same line of thinking. I shouldn't be so harsh towards the forums. They are nascent. They still have potential. And I think one, one area where I dropped the ball in my last podcast is I just didn't acknowledge different people having different communication preferences, right? Like me personally, I prefer live chat, right? I just do. Like I'm You know, I like to intensely help people in that moment, know that they're done, that the issue is resolved. I like to, you know, participate in the moment, have cool 
dialogue and conversations. And I'm, I can handle like, you know, having to get caught up on a whole feed of messages in the morning, different people, different things going on. Other people, they don't prefer that, right? They prefer a forum and that's just what they prefer. Other people, you know, I think about my own online stuff that I put out. Some people love my videos. Some people love my podcast. Some people love my newsletter, right? Other people would hate the newsletter. I don't take it personally, right? Everybody has different communication preferences. And so it's important to acknowledge that, that some people uh, likely would prefer the forum over Slack, right? Now on the whole, on the whole, I, I would just like to say that there is sort of a, a latent sort of point, which is, I, you know, and I apologize, you know, I'm going to get a little bit ageist here, some, some blanket statements, trigger warning coming up, but I have noticed people under the age of 25, they do prefer live chat, group chat, and discord kinds of groups, right? Um, and that's that, like, that's mainly how they communicate. I could be wrong, but that's just what I'm seeing, right? And at least in my opinion, and I, I just like me personally, like I haven't hung out on an online forum since like the early 2000s, right? I am more used to a real-time form of communication. I am more used to a live chat form of communication. And I don't know what participation will be like between the forums compared to the Slack group, right? Like on the whole, I would still wonder, like, is engagement even a goal, right? Is, is, is engagement a goal between how it was on the Slack and how it is on the forums? How do you measure that? And at the same time, I, I still on the whole felt there was a lot of potential for the Slack group. It was nascent. There was a lot of good things going on. There was a lot of good things going on in the different channels. And there was a lot of good things going on in the DMs, right? Which I, you know, I'm assuming a lot of the people, you know, can't see, but that magic in the community is still happening, you know, one-to-one real time, that sort of thing. And so I guess on the whole, I just felt there was a lot of good in the Slack group and just shutting it down entirely, you sort of lose that magic, right? And I don't know if that same magic will happen in the forums, probably some magic or some different kind of magic, but maybe it won't quite be the same. And also I just felt like, like, yes, we get the advantage of, you know, you can share these links to these resources um, and the same questions don't come up as much, but at what cost, right? Like you lose all the stuff that the Slack group, that magic that I described uh, in favor of that stuff, right? And I just, I think the formula for community building, um, I just, I see a stronger community through something like Slack as opposed to uh, necessarily a forum. I think you can have both, right? Like I just, like why get rid of one, why get one at the expense of the other, right? But here's the thing, like to put a cap on it, like I, I don't think one of the mistake I made is I, this probably was a really hard decision. I'm sure OpenAI and the community of ambassadors explored it and thought about it, weighed the different pros and cons. It's also not my decision to make, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I think I, I, I think it's, 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 it is a hard decision and I, I just, uh, you know, I. I, I still hope the best for the forums. You know, I'm still on there. I have been checking every day. And, you know, I it, maybe if you love the community enough, you'll you'll continue participating no matter what medium it is, right? And so 
anyway, so shout out to everybody who, you know, reached out to me, gave me some feedback, shared their thoughts and sort of helped me sharpen my perspective. And I, I now at least see more of a holistic kind of, uh, uh, a whole holistic kind of perspective on where different people are at. But one thing I, I will say, I was surprised is how many people were happier that they're now speaking on forums as compared to Slack. Like, like I, ju- I just want to point that out as well. There's a huge number of people I spoke to who are like, thank God, which I, I found so surprising, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, <laughs> anyways, so uh, that's the whole community thing. And, and thank you to everybody involved. Um, in the meantime, uh, I got to be careful how I say this because I got a private note about it. So... In the meantime, after listening to my last podcast or potentially reading my newsletter, it was something like that. Someone named Renee, who is in the Slack group, started a Discord. Um, That Discord community is about AI. (laughs) Let's leave it at that. AI. And it may or may not be about a specific set of AI products made by a certain company. <laughs> but anyways, I, I, so I'm not involved in that community at all. I'm not an admin. I'm not a moderator. I'm just a member. And it may or may not be a community unofficially created a fan club community where people can congregate in a live chat discord kind of setting. Now that the Slack group is shutting down. And so I'll put a link in the show notes and I encourage all of you, if you're interested in AI, quote unquote, to, to join the discord. Uh, so far I, I have been seeing some really interesting conversations in it. Um, really a lot of, a lot, a lot of similar people from the Slack are hopping over. Um, and I am starting to see, feel that warmth of the community again. On the Discord now, the community is still small. For now, I I think I checked today; it's at 106 members, compared to the GPT-3 Slack, which is at 60,000 members. It's still small, but you know, it, it's like that same idea. Like it has potential. It's nascent. It's exciting. Um, I'm starting to feel that warmth of a community, and uh, I have one other point about this. Um. um it is slightly different though, like the vibe, right? Like, so the, so the Slack group was, is, is basically real identities, people's real name and stuff on discord. Uh, the basic idea, the basic idea is in the server, you can have any sort of nickname. And so I believe in that way, it's pseudonymous. Um, and so there's pros and cons to that. I, I think maybe the discord is a little bit more casual than the Slack group was, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I, I like casual, you know, I like, you know, having some fun as well. And so anyways, uh, yeah, shout out, shout out to Renee for, for setting up that discord. And he also mentioned to me privately, you know, he's looking forward to throw through some events and he's been very active. I just, you know, want to give him a shout out for even just taking the initiative. Um, because, you know, clearly live chat and discord and communities and stuff, these are the things he cares about. And he also just cares about uh, specific AI products, which may or may not have been mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> so anyway, so that's the, uh, what I got wrong on the last podcast. 
I also talked about a Discord community that was created. Uh, now I want to switch into some GPT-3 specific kind of stuff. So the first thing is, um, I read an interesting comment on Discord, and they were asking about DaVinci and a certain date stamp, date timestamp attached to it. And the question was, um, has DaVinci been refreshed? Because it, it so DaVinci was trained for GPT-3's release, I guess, fall 2019, right? And now it is spring 2021. And so I guess one insider kind of baseball GPT-3 user question I have, and I, I, maybe this has been addressed elsewhere and I missed it. Maybe it's somewhere buried in the Slack search <laughs> that I didn't search. It could be on the forums. I don't know. But I just like, I want to ask, like, when is the data for GPT-3 going to be refreshed? So if you don't know, GPT-3, it doesn't, it's not like it's learning from every time you enter a question or something into it. It's not like it's being updated with the latest news or something every month. By my understanding, GPT-3 has, has been trained in fall 2019 and it's still operating and using that same, it's the same model from that same training data. And so one question I just wanted to put out is, is there any plans to update the data? Do we even think it needs to be updated, right? Are there risks to updating and retraining the model entirely with current data? And also like, what's the plan? Like, is it, is it going to be a community driven thing? Is this something that we could vote on and be like, yes, we want GPT-3 trained uh, on on uh, on data from 2021, right? Now, just talk about the implications of it, right? So, like for example, um, last time I checked, GPT-3 still doesn't even know that Trump is no longer president, right? It barely knows about coronavirus, right? Like factually, a lot of the facts it has are out of date or wrong, right? The world has changed significantly between. 2019 and 2021, right? But at the same time, <laughs> um, GPT-3 is awesome and it can still do a lot. And I don't know if we run into regressions for our prompts, if we update the model entirely, I don't know. I'm assuming no. At the same time, retraining GPT-3 would be costly, right? I don't know how much it costs, hundreds of thousands to maybe millions of dollars. And at the same time, I just don't know if there's demand, right? So I guess I'm not even asking for it. I guess I'm just putting it out there. Is this something that other people also feel needs to happen, that GPT-3 needs to be retrained on the latest data? And should we be reaching out to OpenAI and at least letting them know that this is something we want? And these are the downsides, right? Um, now, to be honest, if it were up to me... <laughs> I, you know, I would take the conversation even further, right? Like I wouldn't just say, hey, let's retrain this data. I would say, let's tr retrain it. And hey, why don't we, uh, why don't we do 1 trillion parameters <laughs> instead of 175 billion, right? Because that's just the kind of person I am, right? Is I just, I want bigger scale-ups, more scale-ups. That's just how, how I look at the world. Um, but, uh, you know, if I can't get the scale-ups for the parameters, then you know, at least putting it out there, what's the plan around data refreshing? I, you know, I don't quite know the term for it. And what's, what's, how do, how does the community look at it? What's the priority? And 
you know, I, I wouldn't mind knowing from OpenAI's perspective, like, what's the timeline, right? What's the timeline? We're going to have a refresh and our refresh is even something they want to do going forward. Like, you know, a quarterly refresh, tire, new training data, you know, every, you know, once or twice a year. Now, my assumption is technologically speaking, they want to make GPT-3 so that it's always trainable and always learning and it can be updated. That's my assumption. That's the end goal. But I guess I'm asking in the meantime, what's the protocol? What's the plan? And is this something people even want? So I'm going to put this out there and let me know in the YouTube comments. Let me know in the in the Substack newsletter comments below. You can hit me up on Twitter. Uh, what have I got wrong? What are your thoughts? Is this something you want to see? Um, because, and also if, if, if you have experienced significant setbacks because GPT-3 is not updated, if you're finding you have to engineer your prompts in all these tricky ways because its data set is so out of date, please share that experience below. And even if you think we should reach out to OpenAI and just ask, right? Um, I, I think, it could, I think it's worth exploring. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is generating press releases with GPT-3. So if you missed it, this was a video I, I released maybe one or two weeks ago. Um, and it is my favorite GPT-3 use case. Um, I wanted to just talk about it because if you, so watch the video and I just, I want to talk about it because I encourage you, if you have access to GPT-3 to try that use case, like for me, it's just a really magical moment to watch GPT-3 write a whole press release just with a headline. There's certain magic to it. I love seeing GPT-3's ability to write its coherency as well as, as well as its creativity. And especially just showing, you know, my close friends, uh, that GPT-3 can, can do this. That was the moment for them where they were shocked. Like their jaw was on the floor because all they're seeing is an AI just write paragraphs and paragraphs of text in like, a, you know, a few seconds. Right. And they're looking at me like there's no way that there's a person behind it on the other end <laughs> writing that like no human could write something that coherent at that scale at that speed and uh i just love the samples uh that gpt3 generated in that video and gpt3 often does a really good job generating those press releases and uh it was just it's just an awesome use case. You're welcome to hit me up on the GPT-3 Slack or on Discord or tweet at me. I can connect you with the playground settings I used for that use case. If you're interested in generating your own press releases, you need to have access to GPT-3. But if I'm saying if you do have access, I, I can hook you up with the playground sort of working notebook that I was using to generate those. And I just, I encourage you to check it out. If, if you, if you want to ever show a friend who's sort of skeptical about GPT-3, why it's awesome and what it's capable of, show them that use case. And it's something that they'll see it. They'll be shocked and give it ridiculous headlines, right? You know, Elon Musk decides to go to Mars in the first mission of something like you know what i mean like something like that like 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 the, the example i gave in the video is elon musk introduces new kind of flying car right um you can even give it kind of boring headlines like you know uh entrepreneur starts new kind of olive oil company <laughs> right and watch gpt3 write it chipotle in shocking move introduces new kind of burger 
right? And um, I just, I love that use case. I, I think it demonstrates a lot of the potential and power of GPT-3. I think ordinary people can understand it. And as an aside, I did show that generated press releases to actual people who work in public relations. And even they were shocked and blown away and impressed by GPT-3's ability to write press releases in a really professional way. Um, many were quite frank with me that, yes, this could probably go for distribution. There's some minor tweaks and maybe some artisanal, artisanal kind of changes they would make. But at that point, it's sort of... Uh, icing on the cake kind of thing. And also, yeah, you do need to replace some of the facts. Like sometimes GPT-3 gets the CEO's name wrong or it gets facts and figures wrong or that kind of data. But honestly, it's not that much editing compared to having the entire piece written for you instantly. <laughs> and then if you don't like one version, you just push a button and it generates a new version, <laughs> right? And so anyways, I encourage you to watch my video. I encourage you to play with it. I encourage you to show your friends. Generating press releases with GPT-3 is a fun and awesome thing to do. The last thing I want to close on is latent visions. And shout out to uh, shout out to Chris from copy.ai from for uh, and the whole team there. Um, they're 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 just uploading so many photos <laughs> using latent visions. And he also told me about it. So if you don't know, latent visions is is this multimodal model where you can give it text descriptions and it generates images for you. Uh, it's kind of like DALI, right? Which is OpenAI's version of a multimodal model that does that, except DALI is not publicly available, right? And so since people can't get access to DALI, they're using these other models, right? Latent visions is the new one. I was playing around with deep sleep before that as well as, or I think it's Deep Dream, it's something like that. And then I think there's also, uh, it's uh, Deep Phase. Hold on, let me, let me look up the name for that one. Uh, deep Days. I was playing around with Deep Days and I think something like Deep Sleep or Deep Dream, something like that. Um, and Style GAN as well. These multimodal AI models uh, leverage Clip, which is sort of uh, something, which is a model OpenAI released. It sort of uh, complements DALI. And I, I think it does more of the, it does, it, 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 it's, it does more of the classification. I use that word loosely, whereas DALI is actually generating. I, th I think, I'm, I'm not a machine learning researcher, but I think that's the distinction, something of that sort. Um, and so, you know, I encourage you to hit up Chris, Chris Liu or check out the copy AI team on Twitter. They're just uploading all these, all these awesome generations, uh, using latent visions and the images are a lot better than even deep days or style GAN from what I'm seeing. And I think it's a good taste of what's to come with DALI. And also, if you like to just create, if you're interested in generative art, if you can't paint, but you've always wanted to express yourself, I encourage you to check it out. And I think it's a good teaser uh, to get some exposure, get your hands dirty with multimodal AI and, and what's to come. And again, what makes it multimodal in this case is you are entering text and it generates an image. 
I assume you may be able to go vice versa. And so maybe later today, it's, it's Sunday for me, maybe in the evening, I'm going to play around with latent visions and maybe next episode of the podcast, I will circle back and let you know how it went. Maybe I'll share some of my creations on Twitter. And uh, anyways, it's just fun. I, I encourage you to check it out just because it's fun. And also so you can get your hands dirty. I don't know what the timeline is for Dally. People ask me all the time. I have no inside information. I wish I knew. I wish OpenAI would talk about it. Maybe they have. I'm not sure. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah. So I guess that's that's the final topic for today is, is check out Latent Visions. And shout out to Copy AI. Uh, and I, I encourage uh, Chris to make uh, maybe a logo generator or something in the future. Maybe to complement copy.ai. Uh, which I think would be fun uh, in my upcoming series on multimodal AI models, my upcoming YouTube series, I will be proposing as uh, like a logo generator and a demo for it. And so anyways, I'm really excited for that series as well. So that's it for today's podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe, make sure you add it to your auto download and your up next queue. I think, I, you know, that'd be awesome. I'd really appreciate it. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I just added it yesterday on Stitcher. Uh, and, uh, you know, I have a newsletter. You know, check out my YouTube channel, T Future. Uh, you, you know, hit me up, follow me on Twitter. I'm pretty active on there. And uh, uh, anyways, I encourage you to check out Latent Visions. And thanks so much for listening today. That's it for this week. Bye.